This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Have you thought about meeting your therapist outdoors and walk together while the therapeutic processes unfold? If not, it's time for an added natural healing component. Nature. This is not a new practice method. In fact, it is a very ancient concept. Aristotle and Socrates famously walked during lectures. Sigmund Freud also walked with patients during the analysis process. Although it is unknown why this form of teaching and therapy fell out of fashion, it is finally seeing a resurgence in popularity and utility. Not only do we have increasing evidence of the effectiveness of walking with your therapist, there are many practical reasons that this form of therapy may be right for you. Exercising, especially walking, provides well-established cardiovascular benefits and the incorporation of movement with the therapeutic conversation increases the integrative capacity of each therapy session. In other words, moving while talking makes short work of problem solving, gaining insight and making positive changes in your life. Valeria interviews Layla Neiman. She is a licensed independent clinical social worker with Waypoint Wellness Center, located in Huntsville, Alabama. She earned her MSW at Alabama A&M University. Since starting out in the social services field in 2001, she has worked in the areas of child welfare, child forensic interviewing, hospice, bereavement, adoptions, and geriatrics. Ms. Neiman enjoys weaving her myriad experiences into her clinical practice, serving adults and children with special interest in PTSD, OCD, ADHD, autism, and sleep disorders. Her approach is rooted in the belief that positive therapeutic relationships have the power to change individuals and the world around them. Ms. Neiman works diligently for racial and gender equality in her professional and personal life. She's a strong ally for LGBTQ individuals. She provides an affirmative approach and utilizes empowerment strategies throughout treatment. She is also a neurodiversity affirmative therapist. Ms. Neiman is nationally certified in trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy. She is trained in multiple therapy modalities, including CBT, mindfulness, and cognitive processing therapy, among others. Ms. Neiman believes the power of movement and the outdoors to be profoundly healing. The bilateral movement of walking is particularly useful, combined with therapeutic conversation. This approach is a wonderful way to fast-track problem-solving, getting unstuck, or working through a complex personal problem. She began to notice the benefit of walking with her clients when working in assisted living facilities and skilled nursing homes. She has now expanded this practice to walking with clients in her private practice. Ms. Neiman enjoys spending time in the outdoors with her family, fostering with Huntsville Animal Services, playing music, backpacking, and running. Meet Layla at waypointwellness.net. Here's the interview with Layla Neiman. 
in your own words, who is Layla Neiman? Ah, uh, that's a that's a tough one. Um, you know, I am embracing middle age, and as I've you know come to this place in my life, I I guess I tend to think of myself more as a traveler. Um, that I travel through roles, I travel through time. Uh, sometimes I'll travel back in time and think about who I was. Sometimes I think about who I'm going to be. Most of the time I'm traveling through different roles that I fill in life, like a mom, like a therapist, like a wife, like a caregiver. Um, there are so many roles that we have to do at midlife and that we're really, you know, um, that require us to go from one version of ourself to another throughout the day. So that's sort of how I think of myself now as a happy little traveler. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Try, trying to do all the things. <laughs> that sounds wonderful to me. So it kind of makes me think about being open to life and not being fixed, trying to find a destination all the time and staying there. So that, Absolutely. that sounds like freedom to me. Absolutely. What inspired you to become a therapist, Layla? Um, well, you know, it, it was, um, I guess it took some twists and turns along the way. Um, it was one of the things that I started out whenever I was in, um, in college. Uh, I had come from a, a fairly traumatic background. Um, so it was something that always appealed to me to be able to kind of utilize those experiences to um, help other people who might be in crisis. Um, and so I floated around in the field first as a child welfare worker. Um, so that's where the the social work began to really appeal to me. Um, and eventually it turned into getting my master's, working in several other areas like bereavement and hospice and child advocacy. And, you know, in the last 10 years um, have been more private practice oriented therapist. Therapist has been my primary title, I guess. How do you define mental health these days? What is to be mentally healthy? That's a that's a. A big one right now because people collectively have experienced a trauma and trauma survivors know that during the trauma you function fairly well because we have these mechanisms in our mind that allow us to function so well under distress. But when the trauma is over, that's when sort of everything hits. And so I think mental wellness right now is really important for people to find what that means to them, what, um, you know, mental health, what mental wellness, um, you know, is when we're resolving something that was really scary and really changed a lot of people's lives. I never heard it that way, too. That's very refreshing about trauma, navigating through trauma. It's actually in a way easier than the post-trauma. And so often trauma, you know, exacerbates a mental health issue. So something that may have always been under the surface can be exacerbated by trauma. And we're learning really now that trauma really is, is the thing, these adverse events is what creates not only mental health diagnoses like depression and anxiety, but also physical 
maladies and health problems. Have you defined mental health for yourself? What would that be if you did? Um, let me think on that for a minute. I think mental health for myself means balance. Um, I, I can absolutely feel when things are out of balance, all those roles I talked about earlier, when, when there's that strain of, you know, um, too many, too many roles to fill and it gets thrown out of balance and sleep gets thrown out of balance or, um, nutrition gets thrown out of balance, then that's when I have to take note of where, where are my thoughts going? You know, where, where are my emotions? How are they coming out? Another open question is about the purpose of the human experience. What do you feel that is? I think connection. Um, I think connection, not just with people, but with, you know, plants and animals and, and, and everything, um, with people, of course, too, but, you know, being able, uh, you know, the, the point of living, I think, is to really be connecting with all the energy around you. I love that answer. It made me think about the picture you sent me with your dog. <laughs> that dog. is, I love her. Uh, that is such a beautiful image. Such a beautiful image to look at it. What is about animals? And I have to extend that to nature. What is about nature? Seems to me, mm-hmm. when it comes to the natural way of living, we have forgotten that. Thinking about plants, the natural world, and animals, what is about them that attracts us, that's so healing? You know, so many things. I think we want to see ourselves in their freedom at times. Mm. You know, I I know I do. (laughs) Oh, yes, me too. (laughs) You know, I think we also see reflections of, um, you know, the harshness of the world in animals a lot of times. And, um, like I said, I, I did a lot of bereavement work and a lot of times people were, you know, they had gotten through a death, but, you know, they lose a pet and, and they seem, seem to have a, a heightened reaction. It's like this allows them to grieve all of their griefs um, that they've been holding on to. So it's just a really um, unique connection that, that humans and animals have. Um and I think for trauma survivors to really identify with animals because they're safe. They're safe. Mm, yeah, that's a powerful truth that you just said. It feels like a safe place, a safe space to be in the presence of animals in mm-hmm. nature, of course. Would you say it's because in the case of animals, because there's no mental activity in a sense of judgment, that they are just open? Uh, absolutely, you know, openness and protection. Um, you know, the openness we we really see that in um, you know in children who might have some speech or reading disfluencies. Reading to animals can be beneficial to them, and so that has to come down to the the intrinsic knowledge that even a young child has that they're not ever going to be judged negatively by an animal. By somebody here, I believe. He or she said, I wish I could remember the name to quote, but I don't, about if all children were loved unconditionally, that we wouldn't have any trauma, any Mm -hmm. issues, mental health 
issues. Right. Absolutely. Um, if if children have even one person who lights up when they walk in the room, that is such a, a protective factor for them in their life. Um, and we, we do know that. We know that that children just need that one person. And this is something that it seems like we are not living this reality yet uh, mm. in families, within our families of loving one another unconditionally. Do you wonder why, Leila? Uh, sometimes I do. You know, uh, I work with a lot of families and so I tend to focus more on the micro level whenever I get um, in that headspace of, uh, you know, questioning why is it this way, more uh, moving toward that, that solution of if I can help a parent learn to accept their child as they are, you know, then at least I'm doing one thing uh, to, to remedy that. Another open question, oh, we're almost at the end, I have too many, is about spirituality. Do you have any spiritual practices or belief systems? I, I do. I do. That's always been something that has been um, kind of always in the ether for me and um, hard for me to, to pick. You know, of course, I'm in the South. Everybody's, you know. Uh, has strong religious beliefs, and um, that's always been a religion has been a struggle for me. But spirituality never has; it's just always been there. Um, and so, I mean, it's not a far stretch that, of course, I find my spiritual peace outside. Um, you know, uh, daily, whenever I see something beautiful that is part of our, a part of the world. Um, and so, you know, I find and I find other people's spiritual beliefs encouraging and beautiful. I, I love to hear what other people believe and see that belief in action. There's a lot of beauty in that, too. I absolutely agree. There's even, I believe, transmission when we hear something spiritual that it's um, powerfully expressed I can feel it in my body, in the mm -hmm. mind, the thoughts, they tend to shift to this beautiful space of peace. So, yeah, I love that you said that, too. It's it's tough. I work with a lot of religious trauma. Um, and so helping people um, extricate spirituality and religion is, is an area that I really like to work because we all, every one of us, has to have a connection, um, a spiritual connection to something larger. It's very important. What are some of the misconceptions about healing, Leila? Um, misconceptions? Let's see. That's a, let me think about that one. I guess, so my experience is based on being a therapist. And, and so, you know, we can think about, you know, when I think about healing from a medical standpoint, right? Sometimes you can go to a doctor and you can say, I have problem A. And they're like, okay, well, we have solution B and it fixes it, right? And, it, and you don't have the problem anymore. People go to therapy with a variety of problems. And sometimes people come in and I say, oh, I can fix this. People come in with a phobia, for instance. I get very excited. I could fix that. People come in with insomnia. 
yes, we can fix that. Um, but sometimes people come in with something and it's just, this is the way their mind works, but they are unhappy with it. And so the, you know, the remedy is acceptance of, of who they are. And so, so I guess that is sort of my, my opinion on healing is that it can be different for different people. And it really depends on what we're targeting. This is, it's fascinating to me that you therapists are able to see you know, where the root of the problem, because that's essentially what healing is. Mm -hmm. So when you say when people come in with um, uh, their own way of thinking, you said, you said uh, that's how their mind works. They needed to accept that. So I'm wondering if you can give me one example of that. The way we are in the sense of that we are wired, the, the mind, the brain is wired in a certain way, and issues that has it's not a, a wiring issue. It's something else that can mm -hmm. be fixed, as you said. So I suppose I, you know, what comes to my mind is, um, you know, certain um, what we call neurodevelopmental things like ADHD or autism, and there, there's an intersection there with trauma. Um, and so those are always, um, you know, probably my favorite individuals to work with because, you know, you come to, um, you know, create a new narrative about the traumas that have occurred, but within this context of really um, gaining a, an acceptance and a pride, if possible, about the way your mind works, overcoming how maybe other people may have judged, negatively judged your behaviors, your actions, that kind of thing. I remember uh, interviewing somebody, I think you call neurodiversity. I mm -hmm. learned about that recently. And he's a therapist who is, um, uh, two of them actually, two different people interviewed recently. They're autistic, they fit in that spectrum, and they came to embrace that. Mm -hmm. And they speak in a way that's so beautiful, so refreshing. I mean, made me laugh throughout the interview because mm -hmm. it's very funny a lot of times because it's almost like, I don't know if I have interviewed only two or three people on that, but there's something about their minds that's very, it doesn't fit within mm -hmm. this societal rules or boxes that most people kind of force themselves to fit in. <laughs> right. And they don't try to fit. They just feel very uncomfortable. And right. Yeah, I was really humbled by it because I wonder if we all could be that way, <laughs> if we could all express ourselves truthfully without shame. Absolutely. Being, you know, being able to, to be your true self um, without this fear that you're going to be shamed for being too loud, too, you know, uh, too much, too different, that kind of thing, or being forced to communicate in a way that's uncomfortable for you. So, um, so, so that's, that's an area that, that I've, I've had a lot of interest in lately. And again, just has become the favorite, my favorite cross section of, of my caseload. 
So the services that you offer, and now I have to ask just in case <laughs> if this is not a service that's a general services for all other therapists, not just you, but the service that I have seen there, it says outpatient therapy, walk and talk therapy and personal coaching, supervision and consultation. That's probably from my website um, that I created. Um, and um, the walk and talk is is my own um, my own thing, I guess, if that makes any sense. And then the um, outpatient is is through Cornerstone Counseling, which is um, Dr. Stacy Eichert's um, counseling center. So um, the and then the supervision and consulting is also kind of my own my own on my own thing. So walk and talk hsv.com, right? This is your, your website. Um, that is my website. It's actually just changed or I've added it. That oh, should go did. to it. <laughs> so because I just formed an LLC, it is now uh, waypointwellness.net. Ah. Oh, wonderful. Is that active already, Leila? Oh, yes, I can send it. Um, I'm I'm working on it a lot right now. There's a lot of big growth going on right now in in my life, so um, I'm working on that. And I have a logo and all this fun stuff. So I I will send all that to. So let's talk about walk and talk therapy. First question, basic question: What is it, and how did you discover it? So. Um, walk and talk, I think a lot of clinicians are doing, um, I didn't quite, you know, I, the way that it kind of came into being in my practice was actually whenever I was working with, um, a, with a geriatric patients in, um, assisted living facilities and nursing home facilities. And what I found was that, a lot of them had um, varying stages of dementia. Most of them were depressed. And um, because of the changes they'd undergone with their health, with their cognitive functioning, things like that. And what I found is that whenever I got them up and we walked together, whether we were walking outdoors, whether we were walking up and down the halls, all of a sudden they would just start talking and talking and talking and they felt better. They wanted, they started to look forward to going on walks. I was the person that would come and walk with them. We would do music too. I could do a whole thing on music probably as well, but they, they really benefited from it. And, um, so that actually started me thinking about lots of things like engaging them in, um, care of plants in their room, uh, to see if that would improve some, you know, some outlooks, just connecting them somehow with movement and nature again, because most people are connected with movement and nature. And then they go into these, uh, facilities and they lose all their connections that would include it. So, um, it, it really benefited them to have just someone to take them outside to start moving again. That all sounds so natural. So it's kind of even natural that you saw this, that you're able to just go into this form of therapy because it feels natural. Even listening to you speak about it. So movement in nature, of course. Mm -hmm. I just had the visuals <laughs> walking in nature in the park. It, it feels so good. 
It does. And a lot of therapists are doing this. There are some therapists who are able to make this their entire practice um, of walk and talk. And so, like I said, I, I had experienced this, just kind of came up naturally. And I said, well, is, is anybody doing this? And so I started reading and researching and looking, you know, all over online, consulted with some walk and talk therapists, uh, joined some groups on Facebook. I found some, some different journal articles that really support, um, there, there are some, uh, there's some research out there that supports that this can be beneficial for people with congestive heart failure, just combining cognitive behavioral therapy with movement during the therapy session, um, can help, help, uh, a variety of patients. So, um, so the way that I do it now is sometimes based in the office, we'll leave the office and walk around the area, um, where the office is located. But, um, we also can see people where we meet out on a trail or on a greenway, wherever they're comfortable and just do the entire session that way. If you tell me later, months from now, who knows, that you're doing only that, that was just, I mean, it's just, it would feel very natural again. Like, oh mm -hmm. my God, if this is the only thing you're doing, because it's, um, it makes sense and it's, uh, it would be backed by science and spirituality. It's mm -hmm. almost like combining the two, psychology and spirituality. Is walk and talk therapy for everyone? in a sense of disabled people, how would they engage with that? Especially with the name that says walk, but then when they can't walk. Right. So, you know, this would be something that I would do with, especially working in um, the inpatient uh, area. I would do this with people who may be in a wheelchair, um, you know, and so we would, we would just move, you know, it would be movement. Um, so, Things are, you know, can be kind of modulated for whatever people need. Um, so some people want to move super fast. And luckily, I'm, I'm able to do that, oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, yeah, keep up with them. So, so that happens. So sometimes uh -huh. I'll pace with my fast walkers. Yeah. Um, but then sometimes you uh -huh. might have someone who movement has been a barrier for many, many years And we just need to get outdoors. We just need to go from parking lot to, you know, a quiet place and sit and then go back to the parking lot. Just very, um, really depending on, on that person's, uh, you know, body type, neurotype, just how, you know, what they need from the movement piece of it. Um, the goal with movement and therapy is actually just to increase um, the salience of what we, you know, what they're learning um, and what insights they're getting in therapy because we know that the brain works better when we're moving. That's why we engage in exercise because mm -hmm. it really improves brain function. Right. What I, I love about it too is just, I've never done that before, of course, but uh, I can sense that it adds a flow to it, mm -hmm. to the, the expression of one's mind and thoughts. It's just by moving, right? That's what it comes to me. Absolutely. I mean, if you've ever, you know, gone on a walk with someone, you just, 
you talk. I mean, it just, it just happens. And if there's no talking, then the alternative to that is there, you're looking around and you're noticing things and you're finding connections in, in nature around you. Um, I had someone, uh, who I was talking to about starting walk and talk the other day and they were concerned. I said, I get distracted at everything. And I said, I do too. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. So you, right. you know, if you, if you, maybe you need to be distracted. Maybe you yeah. need that. Your mind, um, your, your body and your mind are wise. They know what you need. And so if you, if you go on a walk and you find that you're looking at all the things, then that's something that's trying to come out in you. That's that childlike curiosity. And so, don't think of it as uh, pathological, you know, distractibility. Think of it as that's your child that needs permission to be distracted and, you know, go look for squirrels or. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds good to me. <laughs> Very much. Uh, it's, it's inspiring even to think about it. Um, yeah, it's that space for wonderment to just be as a lot of spiritual teachers, teachings have been trying to um deliver that message exactly that just be can yeah. we, we just be for a moment yes right yes oh i love that and it's so much easier to do in nature than it is in a therapy room that is you know they're not therapy rooms usually aren't sterile they're usually comfortable and you know things like that but you know i've just seen it so many times that you can be having the worst day and you go on a walk, uh, go on a walk with, with one of my clients and I see them transform at a certain point during the walk that they're talking through whatever problems are going on. And then all of a sudden they might see something or notice something or something just shifts and, and we shift into peacefulness, mindfulness, noticing something that's important. This is actually another modality that you use that I have read in your bio. Mm -hmm. So you include CBT, mindfulness and cognitive processing therapy, among others, of course. Mm -hmm. So mindfulness is there too. Can you please clarify the difference between mindfulness and concentration? Because sometimes we confuse those two things. I hope so. I hope I can. I hope I can do that justice because that's a really good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that question. Um, so I guess I think of concentration as well. Let me self-disclose that I'm ADHD. <laughs> when I that's hear concentration, beautiful. I think, "Oh gosh, yeah, right? <laughs> oh no, uh, yeah." Yeah. <laughs> and so I think of concentration is very, uh, you're concentrating mm -hmm. your energy into solving a problem. Um, if I think of concentrating, I think of, you know, hyper focusing on something, whereas mindfulness is more of being open to what is coming into you without you having to work at it. That makes so much sense to the mind and heart, what you just said. Yes, concentration <laughs> to me, it brings a lot of stress, really. Yes. I know it's necessary sometimes as a function, right? But yes, it comes along with, with stress and being fixed on anything. So I love that your answer, right? Uh, mindfulness being just this 
way of being open to what is happening. It's sort of being present to what is present in an open way. We don't need to concentrate, but just being, being here, present. That takes practice, I know. Do you use meditation as a way of becoming mindful or different practices? So, uh, you know, this, um, this is something that a lot of people struggle with, is this idea that meditation is supposed to be a certain way and that you can't achieve meditation through other means. And so I have, I do have some clients who are, are really able to develop a meditation practice. And there's so many good apps out there now that really helps people understand meditation. Um, and I love to work with people who don't do well with that. I like the people who, you know, maybe they just don't they're struggling to calm down their nervous systems. And so we talk about movement meditation, mindful meditation, meditation as you, you know, during um, discrete segments of your day that maybe you can work in, you know, some, some mindfulness meditation where you're just trying to be, where you're, you're only focused on, you know, how the, you know, how the ground feels at your feet, you know, as you're doing the dishes, how the dishes feel whenever you're washing your dishes, um, things like that. To, to be able to incorporate meditative acts, acts, I feel like I'm not pronouncing that well, <laughs> into your day before you open up to the full experience of quiet sitting meditation. It's more spacious when we are engaging with meditation and mindfulness. They all, to me, they are one, too. They feel like one. Well, and that's a wonderful point that you bring up. I always say I've got the best job in the world for calming down your nervous system because um, I get to be mindful during my workday. That's part of my work is sitting and being mindful and being open with someone for hours a day. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's it. Divine work, I call it. (laughs) We are doing or being what we are meant to be here, which is kind of do exactly that, integrate everything, the physical experience, the human experience with the the spirit, as we might call it, or the abstract world. It's just the most amazing thing. That's what I call creativity. Absolutely. I listen to you interview people and that comes out that, you know, you're really present for those, for these interviews. Um, Yes. Sometimes it's not easy, especially with the female hormones and (laughs) once a month. I don't know why. It's getting better on the body with that, but it's interesting how, and I wonder why I'm going to interview somebody about that to specialize in hormones. Oh, I will listen to that one really? because yes, God. that's just, that's my stage of life as well. And I, I know I get, my attention span really gets hijacked, um, you know, sometimes. And it is, it's, it's, it's harder to be in your body. Yes, right. It affects the brain. It's incredible to witness because I'm very much aware of everything that's happening within the body and mind. Mm -hmm. And I see that connection. Hormones are changing. Then the mind, (laughs) how fascinating. But I do take everything very lightly and that helps a lot. Mm -hmm. To take it light in the sense of having fun with it, whatever is happening. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. We're almost at the end, but I do have another topic that I found on your website 
is a blog post honoring our biorhythms. So I think I heard about this before, but not sure. So talk to me about biorhythms. What are they and how do we get to to listen to our natural rhythms. That's what I take it from it. I read the article and that's what it came to me. I mean, that my understanding is giving permissions to, to ourselves to just slow down. But maybe I understood that incorrectly. No, that was exactly my point because, because um, and we're getting into that time of year again. I had so many friends and clients who were so frustrated and worried about their seasonal affective symptoms, you know, that it's getting to be winter and I'm going to feel so bad. And they were having almost this anticipatory reaction that I'm going to have to slow down a minute. I'm not going to feel good. And I thought, what? nobody's embracing this. <laughs> and so I looked, I looked online and I tried to find these things and there's nothing written about just, uh, just enjoying the slowdown and embracing the slowdown and and falling into your sadness if you need to and sitting there for a while. So that that was what that inspiration was to maybe be um, to put something out there that said, you know, it's okay and it's actually important that we have these seasonal rhythms in which we um, we rest, we grieve if we need to, that we, you know, collect energy stores, you know, for the coming year. Um, and our bodies know that and we don't have to pathologize it and call it seasonal affective disorder. Not that that doesn't exist and is severe for some people. I don't want to minimize that experience at all. But I think a lot of people self-label when we can instead accept and embrace it. That's a beautiful message, though. You make me think about the natural world again and how everything is just allows kind of life flow through them. In general, we see life itself in a sense of the seasons, as you say, but also the trees, the animals. But then it seems like only we human beings try to stop that flow. We right? Yes, we we fight with it. And, and uh, I, I, I don't think that's a good idea. No. <laughs> and then we suffer. I really believe that. That's why we suffer. We just fighting these natural mechanisms, uh, the natural flow of life, mm. which includes everything, right, Leila? The good and the bad, if we can label that way. Yes. No, I, I, I completely agree. And um, so there's just too much of that. I, and so I really, you know, part of, part of my belief system as a clinician is to, you know, really try to stop pathologizing some of the things that we say are our illness and really look and say, okay, are, is there, are there some things we can embrace and accept and, and, and learn just to manage better? I love that. Not just trying to fix it or try to change it, right? Because right. we are not all the same. I think one of the reasons, it seems like it might be comparison, isn't it? That we have learned to compare ourselves with others and we end mm-hmm. up trying to be the same and mm-hmm. trying to fit again in boxes and be like everybody else, do what everyone does. And that causes a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. I have done it myself, tried to fit in and 
I had so much suffering. That's when all my troubles really mm-hmm. <laughs> began. And then also ended when I stopped fighting and I accepted that I couldn't do what most people did. Absolutely. I couldn't live like most people. Absolutely. What do you love most about being in the human body? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so much. So much. Everything. Um, I've, it's a, you've, you must, you've, you're very intuitive. I've had problems with my body, um, you know, and the, the, the blessing of problems is appreciation. So I love that, um, I can run and I can pick things up and I can walk, I can use walking and movement to help other people with my body. So, um, I love, I love everything about it. And, um, I really, really love helping other people, you know, work on overcoming, uh, you know, trouble with their body, illness, chronic illness and chronic pain because I've lived that life. And, um, so, so I'm just, I'm just really appreciative of my body at this stage of the game. Wow. And your laughter really answer the question immediately the way that just came in naturally too. Thank you uh, for being you again. What is another word for healing? What comes to mind? Oh, another word for healing. Goodness gracious. Um, (laughs) Let's see. Oh, I I have so many. And I, I really think, I really think growth is I think growth, I think because what the image I get is, you know, scars on a person and, you know, even scars on plants, you know, they grow over and we, we heal from it, but you have to grow. If you don't grow, those scars don't change. Yes. A trillion times to that, to that vision for all of us (laughs) that we grow from our wounds. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. From our pain and suffering. Thank you so much, Leila, for your presence here today, the wisdom, the natural wisdom that you express, the work that you're doing and are yet to do, (laughs) and um, all the growth that you have been through and the growth that you promote uh, and everything else in between that could be felt. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And, um, you know, it's, it's a wonderful, this 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 podcast, all these interviews are so amazing and um, put such good out in the world. Thank you. The body appreciates. I usually <laughs> say it's the only part that complains sometimes. What are you doing here? <laughs> S- sitting down instead of being out there. It's the only part, <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> so before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your work, services and future projects? So, um, so as I mentioned, I just re redid my website, um, and it's, um, waypointwellness.net. Um, and so that is my brand new LLC that was just formed. And so I think still the walk and talk dash HSV or walk and talk HSV is, will still route to there. Ah, wonderful. So I'll have the new link on your podcast profile, the website link. Yes. Thank you so much again, Leila, and we'll talk soon. Bye Thank for now. you so much. Thanks. 
Thank you for listening. To learn more about Layla Neiman and her work, please visit waypointwellness.net. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.